Hey guys, it's Andy. If you're enjoying listening in and are encouraged by it, please hit that subscribe button and be sure not to miss anything. And if you want to show more support, follow underscore breathe yogi on Instagram and be encouraged every day. We're looking for like-minded individuals like you to build community with. We need you. Wherever you are tuning in today, I hope you are well and know you are loved. Our lives are our story. So what moments will we cause people to say, I'll remember this forever? On April 1st, 1934, in the Bronx, New York, Gaetano Peter Castellano was born. He was one of 12 children. He came from humble beginnings, but he worked and sought after greater things. He served as a Marine and fought bravely in the Korean War. And though he could have been easily hardened by the world, he kept his heart open to love, even through heartache. He fathered six children and gave them his all. I had the opportunity of interviewing one of his sons, my stepdad, Vince. This is his truth. Where he grew up was New York, and it was an Italian neighborhood. Back in those days, you had sections. You had your Italian neighborhood, your Irish neighborhood, that kind of thing. Like, it was just the way it was. Kind of like now um, out here. I used to, it seemed kind of weird when I was growing up, but if you think about it, the Vietnamese, when they came over, they were all in their section because you knew the people. Same kind of thing back there in New York. And all the cops were Irish cops. Mm. It was just, that's just the way it was. It wasn't a prejudice thing. It was just, you know. That's what they knew. Yeah. So did he um, stay in school? Was he? Um, Dad was okay in school, but uh, he left after, I think he got a sixth or seventh grade education. I think it was seventh. And he left because he had to make money for his family. And what did he start doing? Anything and everything he could. He had to try to make money for them to put food on the table. His dad wasn't around, and they were always hungry. Um my Aunt Lil, my dad's uh, older sister, who's still around, talks about that uh, one time Mama got some money and uh, bought a roast and made it all at once and ate it all that night. It's like, Mama, we could have had this all week, and she got in trouble for her mom by that. Her mom didn't. My grandma didn't know how to deal with money. Mm. But they were always being hungry. It was just part of a life for them, barely getting by. And so he stopped school in seventh grade and hustled to make a buck. And, like, what were some of his first jobs? Do you know? He sold apples. I mean, he even talked about you'd sell, you know, buy an apple um, for a penny, sell it for a nickel, buy two more, buy, you know, sell a couple more until you built up and, and sell a couple. He'd sell papers, you name it, whatever it took to buy. And here, Mama, I got some money. Mm. So he he was smart though. He yeah he to hustle that way like not many people. Yeah he um, went from nothing to what he had to everything. You talk about self-made man. He was one of those. It's like I have to. He 
He's a survivor. If you could describe him in three words, what three words would you I choose? I thought about that in the three. I can't do it in three words. The, th- the first thing that comes to mind is Italian. Dad was proud of being Italian. Just ask any of his grandkids. He joked about that so much. He made us proud to be an Italian. Not in a bad way. He loved it, but joked at the same time. Um, <clears throat> Marine. was proud to be a Marine. Um, but the reason I can't say three is because it's a tie between being a hustler to get by, you know, a scrapper, hustler. You know, you think now somebody who hustles you, but no, no, I mean somebody who had to hustle to make a buck to get by, a survivor, and a family man. Okay. So I couldn't do it in three. Yeah. Well, I feel like to have that kind of, um, like if you're a family man, obviously you want to do everything you can to support your family and make them not go through whatever you had to go through. Yeah, he... Um, we were never rich growing up. We were just as middle class as you can get. We weren't poor. We didn't know if we had a lot of money or no money. My aunt always had a lot of money, but we didn't. But we didn't. We never lacked for anything. We had a house over our head. We had food on the table all the time. We had clothes on our back. Um, we didn't go on these fancy vacations. Our vacation, um, we grew up in Wairika, California, moved down here when I was seven, but we'd go up there in the summer, back up there in the summer, stay with my grandparents, visit everybody, friends. Um, I think when I left, it was around 2,500, 3,000 people, so a small town. Um, it's a great place to grow up, but uh, that's where m- my dad met my mom. Was he like a pretty outdoorsy person? No. No? <laughs> No. <laughs> like so you're telling me like you're going fishing you do this thing but like he's a city boy right oh total city boy <laughs> so, total like... city boy um what happened is when uh, dad was 17 he joined the army i guess somehow he got his mom to sign off for him to go in at 17 during the korean war mm-hmm. and he went over to korea and uh he didn't want to talk about it Till late in life and then finally he started telling us his stories um, <clears throat> about how he got shrapnel in his hand and it's like he felt guilty getting a purple heart for that because it's like guys gave their lives gave their arms and he's like I just got some shrapnel in my hand mm-hmm. but then it's like dad you were in those foxholes and the things you talk about having to you know people throwing um, uh, bomb satchels into their um Ditches and guys next to him blowing up and him surviving, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that, Dad, you earned that. Mm-hmm. But uh, then that got him out there. He loved being a Marine and was proud of being a Marine his whole life. But because of that, my dad grew up, he never wanted us to go in the military. My brother and I, he's like, if you have to serve and they call you, you will serve. But I don't want you going in if you don't have to, because I served so you don't have to. I went to war so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. But you will respect those who are in the military. Mm-hmm. And we totally did because my dad was a Marine and put his time in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, like, he's definitely seen some things. And, like, I only heard bits and pieces of his stories um, just overhearing conversation like of how he had to step over his friend's bodies when they were trying to trudge through things and just like the amount of like like 
the damage it would do on your mind of what how you yeah. have to handle that you know he talked about having to walk like a hundred yards and it's all on bodies both the enemy and their people and he hated loud sounds like when we you know how the kids will scream if we had a loud sound my dad would come out what was it was it he'd be mad at us mm-hmm. because he hated he just they call it ptsd now mm-hmm. but he just hated those loud sounds yeah. I um, mean, it probably, like, freaked him out inside. Like, he's... Yeah. It brought him back to a place where he's, like, you know, that's scary and, and sad. Don't get me wrong. He was a great guy. But it was just... That was just one of the things that got to him. Oh, yeah. I mean, rightfully so, though, too. Like, with all the yeah. stuff he dealt with. That's crazy. I didn't know he got a Purple Heart. Yeah. Yep. And not long after the war. I don't know how long... Um, well, I guess he went back to New York. Um, didn't have a great relationship with his dad because his dad never was around. He saw him. He said, matter of fact, I told my dad I'm going out west to California. He just wanted to change. And he hadn't seen his dad. And his dad's like, oh, great. Here's five bucks. Bye. You know, it was just like that's how cold it was. Mm-hmm. His dad was not loving. He was just there. It's like... He had a respect for his dad because he was his dad, but he wasn't there. In a relationship. Yeah, he let the kids go hungry, and he's eating and doing all this stuff, never coming home, as I said, except for one thing. Yeah. But. How old was he when he left home? Not sure. Well, obviously 17 when he went into the Marines, but then he came out here. Um, and... Um, Somehow he got up to Wairika, I don't recall how, and a friend of the family um, introduced him to my grandparents and my mom, uh, his wife, Gloria. Um, And they already had my uh, sister, Tara, who was three years old. And they met, fell in love, and got married. And then in uh, 61, they had my brother, Darren, so 1958, he came out to California and met your mom. Mm-hmm. And did he leave his other siblings and his mother behind in New York? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I think he might have come out here um, to see his sister or something. She might have already been out here. I'm not sure. Or she came out here afterwards because my aunt Lil's out here in California, too. Do you think that's why he came out here? I'm not sure if it was for her or she came out after him, but she was out she came out here too I always just wondered how that happened because he frequently would visit New York even in his old age oh because he grew up in New York he knew so many people um back then the neighborhood you knew everybody yeah and you had all these friends matter of fact he'd go back and I think it was like a St. Mary's or something would have a get together of a of the people in the neighborhood type thing um he was Catholic without being Catholic. Yeah, he was Catholic, but he didn't uh, practice. But that's kind of the place to get together. And every few years, they'd all get together. Um, and he had friends that were just friends around, but he had friends, some that were in the mafia, some that were in the FBI, and, some, and both of them knew each other. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this was a time where, hey, we're not this or that. We're just, this is the neighborhood, the old neighborhood getting together. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, they had, it was different than ours. Everybody had a kind of a nickname. Uh, my dad's nickname was Guy. It was Guy. He went by Guy his whole life, but he was just Guysy. Um, but 
Anthony, one of his friends, was called Gus. Don't know why, like your Uncle Gus. <laughs> uh, but they had uh, the Gonk, Jimmy the Claw, and there was some other ones. I love these names, and I told Dad, you need to write this down. I mean, this is a story in itself. The story he told me, he's told us so many stories about the guys and stuff that they did. Um, my dad was one of those where he saw a lot of stuff going on but he you know there were some bad things he did but there was a lot of things that's like not my thing he stayed out like some of the guys ripped off a safe from a place some of his friends and he told a story about what they did and they finally couldn't open it and threw it off a pier and just like he says yeah they did a bunch of stupid stuff it sounds like an episode of the sopranos doesn't like... it <laughs> for sure well i mean put it this way it's uh I find it kind of funny because when Jimmy, my brother, got married, um, I'm up there at his wedding and it's at the reception and some of his buddies up there in Oregon are going, come on, they got to be, they got to be mafia. He's got a dad named Gaetano and a brother named Vinny. And I'm just laughing, shaking my head going, I'm a California kid. You guys <laughs> give me a break. I At that point, I'd never even been to New York. So I just thought it was funny. But... Um, he had some friends come out here, Anthony and Lulu, and uh, Anthony was actually hiding out from the mafia, we find out. Uh, he'd ratted on them somehow. Um, and uh, um, later, he got kicked out of the witness protection because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to, and he went back to New York by himself to visit somebody and got shot six times. Luckily, he's, he survived. He died uh, like three or four years later from... Uh, painkiller overdose but it was like we didn't die from the shootout no that's what oh. i think's funny oh you get shot six times survive and then you know you od on uh, painkillers but <laughs> i know it seems like we may have gotten a little bit off topic there but this is the type of culture guy grew up in these are some of the things that didn't phase him the world around him was always harsh from the beginning, but he made his way and didn't let that impact him. He held on to his moral compass. That family was unique, as I told you before about Lulu. She's, he grew up, he knew Lulu, she was close family. Anthony, he kind of knew a little bit. Lulu was one of the girls from the neighborhood. They're just like, you know, you were all family. Um, she's Classic New York Italian, make a big pot of spaghetti. It's the first time I ever called, heard spaghetti sauce called gravy. And when she made it, she made it with meatballs and sausage and rolled up meats and All the just trimmings. huge. Oh, everything was just wonderful. But that family was kind of interesting because everybody in the family was, uh, they had a different way of thinking. Their way of thinking was if a window car door window was open and there was a wallet there, they'd take it and it would be like, hey, they didn't want to take him. They wouldn't have left the window open, which is totally different from the way my dad taught us. But that was the kind of culture he came from back mm -hmm. there. It was kind of a, I know I'm, being, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but kind of a New York Italian neighborhood kind of Bronx uh, thinking. And uh, I can see why he left it in that sense. But how do you think that he... Like, if he came from that kind of mentality, and I'm sure he, like, got into trouble as a kid doing those types of things, how do you think that he decided not to be that way? Like, to change his way of... 
living. Talking to my aunt, my dad was always the good kid. Hey, mama. Hey, can, what can I do for you, mom? He always wanted to please his mom. You know, hey, mama, what can I do for you? Not a mama's boy, but at the same time, it's like he respected his mom and he wanted to do good. Mm -hmm. He was trying to be a good boy, but you know how the influence is. Um, and he cared about things. And he knew right from wrong. And he knew sometimes you had to bend the rules to get by, but he basically had uh, a good heart and knew it's like no nah, I don't want to grow up like this I see where this is going and especially going into the military realized I want to get out of here like growing up when I had like my little interactions with him I didn't get to have like these big deep conversations you know it was he, he wasn't always he didn't live out here you know but he was in our he often came through because he was always traveling to New York and doing different things, but I never had like a whole heart to heart. You know what I mean? So the stuff I learned from him, it was very like more of the fun side of him, more of his sharing his stories, um, just being very like, I don't know, he was just always the funny guy. Like he would sing randomly or like oh, we need to go eat this because it just sounds good. And like, you know, he was just like the fun person. Especially because you're his granddaughter. That's yeah. the way he treats them. He's, um, that's why I said one of the things that you have to describe dad is family. Dad loves family. Mm -hmm. It's the most important thing to him. But it seems like he wanted it always just to be like a good time. You know? Yeah, because he knows... He knows all the trouble he had as a kid. And even growing up, we didn't have a lot, but we had enough. But he wanted to make sure that he could do all for his family, for his grandkids. My dad always said, hey, if I got it, I'll give it to you if I got it, if I can do it. Um, he says, you know, I can't rob a bank, but if I, you know, if I could, I would for you. But I, that's how much kind of his way of saying that I'll go as far as I can for you. I love you, mm -hmm. you know family's the most important how can i how can i help when i first met guy i honestly can't remember the exact first moment but i remember at first just trying to give like a polite hello trying to give space um i just wanted to be respectful of him but guy wasn't that way he came over to me and he embraced me tightly and told me to call him Papa Guy. And I remember questioning myself as a kid, like, do I know this person because it feels like I do? Am I, am I the one who forgot because he seems like he knows me? But he was just so warm and inviting and accepting. And he claimed me as his granddaughter without even knowing where I even came from. Dad, my dad guy, is the exact opposite of his dad. Mm -hmm. He loves you. And you know that he loves you. Mm -hmm. And it was the most important thing. Family, grandkids, just it's just super important because he saw he didn't have it. And he's like, I'm never going to be like that. And as I like to say, when I was in the small town and we'd go up there every summer, you know, I may have gotten in trouble at one side of town, small enough town that everybody knows everybody and they're going to tell your parents or grandparents. I know when I get home, my dad was going to kill me, figuratively. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I never questioned I was loved. 
He may kill me, but I know I was loved. Yeah. Well, like, and, and I think that's one of the things I did really appreciate about him, too, was, like, it didn't take long to feel like you knew him. When like, I heard your like... story and your mom's story and she told me a lot, it was like, I can't say, oh, I can understand. All I could say is I can only imagine, you know, because it was the exact opposite of what I went through. Mm. You you knew you were loved first. It wasn't the other way around. It yeah. wasn't you had to tiptoe. It was, this is family. You know you're loved. And I think that's how it should be. We should always know that we are loved and accepted by the people that we call our family. From the stories I was getting to hear, I gotta say, Papa Guy must have been a really great dad. He loved his kids. He cared enough to make them think twice about who they were becoming, but also was able to keep that balance of love and fun. We did get spankings from him every now and then, but I think I got three or four in my lifetime, and it was, if I have to take off my belt, it was after all day with mom, and it's like, one of those kids pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And then when you did, he'd take off his, what, inch and a half wide belt. You'd get a whooping on the butt. Uh, it's like, no. Nah. It was, you know, it hurt like crazy. But it was like, if he hadn't, we would have been little. It's necessary. Little turds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, he was very fair. Very fair. Though, you know, since, you know, you were talking about before, you know how he has a, you know, a, a silly sense of humor, you know, jokester and stuff. Mm-hmm. My, one of my favorite things was, um, I think when I was 10 or 12, we'd be walking uh, in the Huntington Mall down in Orange County, and my dad just kind of pops me on the back of the head, not too bad. I'm like, what was that for? And he says, that's for that thing I didn't catch. <laughs> and, you know, being a kid, you're like, okay, what did I do? And there was always something that you kept from your parents, you know. Towards the end, he went back to circuit uh, by selling electrical salvage and then sold that business took that money um, and then did electrical salvage for years. And uh, he, the reason he was down here is one of his main people that he sold to was Paul. And uh, he decided to open a circuit breaker shop up in Portland. So dad did electrical salvage and had the circuit breaker place up in Portland. So what he would do is he would, even though he lived in uh, Medford, and the reason that he they lived up and my parents lived in Medford at this time was um, somewhere in the 90s, um, my grandfather passed away and uh, my mom wanted to be close to her mom. So they moved back up. Instead of Wairika, they moved to Oregon, to Medford, Oregon, which is an hour away because Wairika was too small. Um, and... My mom would take care of my grandma for a while, but my dad didn't have business there. So he'd always drive me down on the road, driving down here. Well, he had so many contacts up and down California. He would buy stuff, sell it to Paul, then go back home. Well, then he started the business up in Portland. So a lot of times he'd be selling to Paul, sell it up to Portland and anywhere in between he'd buy a salvage, sell it. You know, he, he found a way to make a buck. Yeah, like the stuff you're telling me, it's like back with the apples, <laughs> just circuit breakers now. Oh, yeah. I He, my dad was, uh, he always wanted to bless us. It's like, no, I'm doing good, dad. But he would do things like uh, 
actually when I was single and things weren't going good, dad's like, yeah, here, here's a hundred bucks. You know, I just made a good deal. It's like, that was God at the time. Um, but he's dropped off, uh, circuit breakers. You have the circuit breaker wall. That's all copper behind, mm. but it's all riveted and put together. He dropped off that whole thing to me and says, yeah, you take it apart. You can recycle the copper and, uh, there's number two copper, which is coated, and then number one, which is the like copper color that you see. Mm-hmm. I once had one of those. He dropped off here. It was so heavy, I made eight hundred dollars. Oh my gosh! But he's like, you know, here, here, son, you do it. You do a little bit of work, you can have this. I'm like, cool. But that's the way Dad was. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> he was also Dad. We always joke. Dad had two speeds. Either he's going ninety miles an hour. Okay, I got this. Okay, I got a go over here and get this and you know then I'm going to sell to him and do this or flopped on the couch watching TV mm-hmm. there was no in between he was either 100 yeah, 90 miles an hour or nothing an all or nothing attitude what would that look like if we chose to give that 100% for our loved ones obviously we all need time to rest and be still but When the opportunities arise, will we push ourselves to give our all? I love being with my dad. You know, as I became a teenager, you know, when when you're in high school, it's like, no, it's not cool to be with parents. But by the time I was a senior, it's like, no, I love my dad. I love my mom. I just, I have no problem being with them. They're just great people. I love them. Did you ever have like a special one-on-one time? Just I'd have talks with dad. Hey, dad, what about this? And it was, especially when you became an adult, he respected your opinion. And um, he taught you things. One of the things that he taught, I, I, I know one of the things he taught me one time was across the street were uh, a guy named Cookie and their family and Earl. Um, and what happened was uh, Cookie used to talk like this. And we used to see some people talking like this. And I was talking to my dad, and I, I don't remember how old I was. I think I was 12 or something. I said, I said, man, they sound stupid. You know, and my dad, teaching moment, goes, Vinny? He says, no, not stupid. Think of it this way. If you go to a place and everybody's talking like that, and you're talking the way you are, now who's the stupid one? He says, don't judge people that way. And he's like, also, he says, yeah, he may talk like that, but he's one of the smart, he says, he knows everything about cars. He's a survivor, the way he's been through life. He's, he says, you know, if something happened, he'd be one of those people that would survive. He says, so don't be judging people. It was one of the great teaching moments for dad. But I just didn't, I can't pick one specific thing with him. It was, uh, I think I, if I had to pick something, it would be, and you could probably see this too, when my dad went to hug you, it was like it's the first time he sees you and he misses you. It's just that big smile, mm-hmm. hug. It's like you knew you were loved. Mm-hmm. And I had that growing up, so from the age I can remember till the last time I got a hug from my dad. Mm-hmm. It was just that big smile knowing that he loved you. He was always just welcoming. Like, that's that's what I just remember. It was like, it, 
you know, you could have saw him yesterday or you could have saw him like a year ago and it was just like the same amount of emphasis on hugging. You know what I mean? Like, Yep. That's dad. You're going to get a hug from dad. That's good though. With his scratchy beard. Yeah. And they'd like rub it in on you on purpose. <laughs> Especially if he said something. They'd be like, stop. <laughs> when I was in high school... You know, I was so, like, wanting to go be, do my own thing and make the decisions for myself. Like, I couldn't wait for that day. I just, like, I wanted to be grown up and in control of my life, right? And it wasn't until later when I was living out of the house that I realized, like, oh, like, my parents are people. Like, I want to connect with them. I want to be more open to that relationship because... I realized that it was, you know, not only beneficial to me, but like I loved them. I wanted that connection. But like you're saying that you didn't mind that connection. So why? When do you think? Well, that that kind um, of clicked for you. Junior year, probably towards the second half of the junior year, and the reason is during my sophomore year, mm-hmm. uh, I was six and my sister Andrea was 17 she was 16 days away from 18 and she died in a car accident Mm. devastated my parents it was the first time I ever saw my dad cry Mm. and broke him down and it's like you know your dad's your rock so it scared the crap out of me Um, when you have somebody like that die in your family you, you have your grieving time but you also have your aha moment of growing up and you kind of look at things in a different way um just you appreciate them more and just part of the growing process i'm like okay what do i want to be wow where's this gonna go and you you know it's like you're trying to be cool when you're you're getting to the age like i said when i was a sophomore i wanted to be called vince not Vinny anymore and you know you're you're doing your more independence but then you're seeing that your parents and maybe that uh, you're balancing both of them but it's like just to be an adult maybe I had the aha moment that you like you did you don't have to be independent and throw your parents out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. you appreciated them even more mm-hmm. Uh, because you saw the brevity of life. Mm-hmm. And again, and during those times, your dad's like making, he always let us know we were loved, but he's extra like, hey, I just want you to know how much I love you. And it was just like, I know dad. Mm-hmm. Um, not that he was, he protected us so we wouldn't get hurt or anything, but it was just, he allowed you to have your freedom, but letting you know he loved him, I think, all those things together made me appreciate him more gave that aha moment sooner than if I'd been out of the house probably when I would have probably had it right do you think that your sister passing opened up that relationship a bit more with him um just for me to have the aha but no because we always had a good relationship but I could talk to my dad yeah it didn't close him off I guess is it? no not at all not at all he wanted to make sure we were okay. 
it hurt them, but they they always wanted us to know how much they loved us. You could see how much he loved my sister. That uh, you know, you could see them grieving. Yeah. So he was always honest and transparent with that with you then too. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I, I mean, ask about as things. a parent, I feel like that would be really hard to do because. He you... says no. It. He would tell me we'd talk about you know this hurts. I really miss her. You know, it's like I can't believe this. It's just, you know, and he'd talk about things. He says I sometimes think about her. Um, and this, my mom said that she had times where, even though my dad at the time wasn't a believer in Christ, that he got comfort in my mom just singing, I guess, when they were in bed, uh, um, hymns to him. It soothed him. My parents were transparent on their pain, but you say close them off. It didn't close them off. It just maybe made it even more that they showed us they love us. Mm-hmm. Not by buying us off, just yeah. being the parents they'd always been, if not more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's that's pretty important, though, too. Like, especially as a parent, if you're you lose someone in your family, because it's it's easy to you know clam up and to try not to talk about it because you don't want to you know, make your kid feel sad or whatever, or, you know, you think you're protecting them in that way, but to be open is, I think, harder. And, yeah. and to be transparent in that way and, like, let them know, like, I'm here with you in that, you know. I'm proud of how my family handled it. Um, matter of fact, my sister's best friend, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Kelly used to be a drug addict, did all kinds of things, and her parents let her do it. Kelly became a Christian and her parents all of a sudden switched and it's like, hey, you got to be in by 10, all these rules and stuff. You're hanging out with all these weird people, all this kind of stuff. And then when my sister died and they saw how my family handled it, their family went, there's something to this. And her, both her parents became Christians. Whether you believe in God or not, I think the thing to understand is that the way you handle something in life, you never know who it might leave an impression on or how it might change someone you didn't even know was paying attention. Like I said, he was a great dad. Great. He taught me the things that he I needed to know. He corrected me when I needed to be corrected. He tried to give me advice. I would ask advice. We used to love to joke. Oh, he loved to joke. He, Dad was so proud about being Italian. I, I mean, for the last few years, we would always joke when we'd hang up, you know, we're talking about, you know, I love you, son. Yeah, I'd say, I love you, Dad. Even though you're Italian, I love you. You know, and he would get a good laugh out of that. You know, he loved that kind of sarcastic. You, know, you had to make a joke about being Italian because... He did it with all the grandkids. Mm-hmm. You remember their their fiftieth anniversary when we went up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had it at my grandma's house uh, that my mom owned. Uh, my grandma had already passed away. Beautiful place. And we have all the family there coming in and out, and cousins and all that. And my dad says he says he says I love our family. I love how diverse it is. He says he says we've got uh, Mexican. Korean, 
Vietnamese, uh, I think we got Cherokee or something. And it was just like, he says, I love it. He says, I love this. He says, because we've got a little bit of everything in this family. He says, he says I can't believe how blessed I am with how many, you know, it's grandkids a, I have. It's a good pot of gravy. <laughs> Uh, he loved he the most important thing to dad was family and when we get together he always wanted us to be together his legacy to be is love your family that he loved his family that family was the most important thing all this other stuff can go away but you're always going to have family and that he loved them and wanted the best for every single one of them he loved watching them grow up. He loved being able to do anything he could for them, you know. Not just financially, just being there for them, just to be able to give them a hug and, and just watch them. To be as generous as he was and to be as, like, you know, willing to spend the time and everything, like, that's a complete opposite for one of what you're telling me his dad was like and then two of what he experienced himself so it speaks volumes too because it was always way out of his way you know what I mean like mm -hmm. he didn't have to drive all the way out here I mean he could have just went for work and then home he didn't have to stop and go to dinner or have dinner with us or whatever and you know it was a chance to be with family yeah, he took his opportunities. Yeah. He, if he didn't do that, you never would have gotten to know him. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why he wanted us to come up there in the summers and come see them. It's like they love that we would stay with them. It's like I get to see the family. Mm -hmm. and I get to know the family. I get to know the family. I get to see them having fun. He liked it like we would go out and do day trips and then come home, and it's like he'd hear about all the fun we'd have. He enjoyed us enjoying ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, I've got family here. It's. I think one of the best memories for me is when we went out there um, for the summer and they had a, they had that big pool and uh, I asked him, I was like, can I go swimming? Cause like <laughs> I was trying to be respectful or whatever. And he, like, looked at me, he's like, yeah, that's what it's for. And I was like, okay, like, way to make me feel good. But at the same time, like, it was just his way of being like, yes, George. like, I, I want you to do that, you know. But it was just funny to me because I was like, oh. Uh, <laughs> like, he didn't want us to be shy or no, he reserved. Just do it. No, it's like, this is your home. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, that's the way it was. That's the way I was raised. That's the way our home was. It's like, here, it's our home. Mm -hmm. And Dad's like, Dad was that way. Here, it's your home. I, I've got the pool. I want everybody over there. And still to this day, even though Dad's passed away, kids still come over to the pool. Mm -hmm. It's like, family, come use it. This is for you. Like like he was the definition of what's mine is yours. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to bless. What's the use of having something if you can't bless others with it? Mm -hmm. That right there. What's the use of having something if I can't enjoy it with other people, with my loved ones, with my friends, with the people that mean the world to me? 
five or six years before dad passed away. He had a stroke, didn't realize that's what it was. He started slowing down and uh, he developed heart problems, which he never had before in his life, just kind of getting old. Um, and then he had a major heart attack and um, my aunt and myself went up there to see him. He was in the hospital. They didn't expect him to recover. And then uh, it happened in 2016. And then um, he actually came out of it, which the doctors were even surprised. Was he like in a coma? He was literally in a coma for like three days. It just, he, last thing he remembered was telling Gloria, you should probably call because my, I can feel my heart rate going up and it had an arrhythmia. Um, it was out of sync or whatever. Um, and then he had a heart, he had a heart attack. Um, then uh, he recovered, but he was on uh, medicine. So they had to keep his heart rate low. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of kind of got lethargic and stuff like that. Right at the start of COVID, his heart went out of arrhythmia, and it was really crazy. Um, we had just locked down, and there was no hospital that could take him in Medford. Mm-hmm. They had to airlift him to Eugene. And he was in a hospital all by himself. Mom couldn't see him or anything. They're giving him a COVID test, and it's like, well, this is probably it for Dad, because, you know, the way COVID was taking people. Mm-hmm. And he survived. Mm-hmm. Amazing, they went and picked him up, and he lasted, uh, what, uh, another couple of years? They, at that time, I think a year before, it had been a year or so before, they had to do the hard thing of taking his driver's license away. Mm. You know, he couldn't drive the keys. They thought he would be hard with it, but he, he actually agreed. He knew. Had another one. He wasn't, they say, and he wasn't quite there. He his brain was kind of going off and on and they were my brothers were kind of telling me um and the day that he died um he was in the hospital because he had a a small heart attack and he wasn't doing they said he wasn't talking normal Mm. but i called him and because there was no time to really get up there um and i had like a five or ten minute conversation and he was normal during that time and I got to tell my dad how much I loved him, you know, dad. And he says, I love you, Vinny. You know, or he said, Vincenzo. He used to, he'd call me Vinny or Vincenzo, you know. It's more of a joke, call me Vincenzo. And then that night he passed away. Over the last year, he was kind of, sometimes he would tell you things twice, those kind of things. It was, his body was just slowing down. And I started hearing those like six months before he died. That He never did any of those around me. He'd just retell stories. But I started to hear from my brothers and sisters that, yeah, that's, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. Mm-hmm. That's, that's always like the hardest to see because it's like someone, especially like him, he was so, so full of life and so very like animated and energetic and then for them to turn into someone that it's like not at all who they were it's you know 
Yeah, mom even said when dad died, she took it so well. She's like, I lost my husband basically a year before. Mm. Yeah. She says, I love him to the end, but I really lost him a year before. Yeah, so she was already dealing with her grief. Yeah. Watching someone lose parts of themselves, whether physical or mental, it is one of the hardest things to see. You might feel angry, helpless, scared, because the life you knew is changing and it's out of our control. But what we can control is the continuing of showing them love, faithfulness, and giving them all that we got. And that's a beautiful gift to give. The main thing I learned from him, love your family. Love them. You appreciate them because it's a finite time you have with them. As with my sister really kicks it out. Let them know how much you love them. No matter how much money you have, don't have. You can't replace the love for family um, and appreciate them. Because uh, time goes by too quick. Um, and there's so many in this world, but it's like family is important. He taught me that, and, I, and it's the bond that you have with family is not like any other bond. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Um, and um, just don't let it, don't let it die. Thank you um, for sharing, for being open to dishing this all out and for sharing him with us as well because, you know, even though like Again, I, I didn't get all the opportunity to know him as much as I wish I could have. Like, he still, he still, it was known, like, he was a great human, you know. And he, he shared, like, a lot of love with us, even though it was like he didn't even know us, you know. And that's someone I think that people need to have in their lives is someone that is going to say, like, it doesn't matter if you're blood or not like I'm going to consider you mine like that's that's huge once you're part of the family you're part of the family once you're part of the family that's it that's an amazing kind of unconditional love because the fact of the matter is blood or not you can accept someone completely as part of yourself you can not only be kind in passing, but go out of your way to make sure they understand who they are to you. That's the kind of man Papa Guy was. And he was bold in doing it. He fought for his nation, for his friends, for his family. Needless to say, he truly gave his all and again I want to encourage you I want you to understand the life led by Gaetano Castellano 
It wasn't super extraordinary, but the way he loved and accepted others was. And what might the world look like if we chose to care to love like that? Might we be a little more exhausted from time to time? Maybe. But isn't life so much sweeter knowing you matter to someone? I believe it is, which is why I have to tell you, you matter to me. I hope you begin to live your life with a little more grace and a little more love for yourself and for those around you. Remember This Forever is brought to you by Breathe Yogi, a brand that believes in the power of people living intentionally. To learn more, you can follow Breathe Yogi on Instagram or visit breatheyogi.com.